Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. He is good all the time. Hallelujah. It's good to see all of you tonight. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so, it's such an honor for me to be here ministering to you, precious sisters and brothers in Christ. So go ahead and be seated and uh, we'll dig right in to see what God has for us. You know, this is the Christ the Healer series and this is the last uh, time that we're going to uh, do this Christ. I mean, what's the last lesson? <laughs> the last lesson of the series. And then we're, the pastor's going to move on to something else this next time. I wouldn't be surprised if he would do one of these again in a year or so. I mean, it's been good for us, hasn't it? To hear about Christ being our healer and all the different ways that God provides healing for his body. We just are so blessed, Lord. We thank you. We're going to talk tonight about the benefits, the physical benefits of praying in the spirit. How surprised are you? <laughs> the physical benefits of praying in the Spirit. That's one of my favorite things to do is pray in other tongues, pray in the Spirit. So, uh, or we could say the working of the Holy Spirit and healing our body through speaking in other tongues. The working of the Holy Spirit in healing our body through speaking in other tongues. You know, um, I wanted to start tonight by talking about the, uh, the Old Testament, uh, starting in the Old Testament with a type of the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the uh, New Testament believers. So we're going to look at the tabernacle. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, turn with me to Exodus 40. You know, God told Moses... Way back there, when they had um, they had come come out of Egypt through miracles, signs, and wonders, God did incredible things—things things that n- nobody could have even thought up. God did to get his those children out of Egypt, out of that bondage, and so they were out there. They just crossed over the Red Sea. I mean, what an incredible miracle that was. And they uh, began to murmur because they, you know, didn't have any water. They were thirsty. And it was just amazing how often they would, God would bless them. He gave them water and then they would turn around and they would murmur again about something else. And the next thing was they didn't have any food. Well, I, you know, I could understand a little bit if you need water and food, right? But they were telling him he was a loser, why did he bring them out there in the wilderness to die? Why didn't he just leave us, leave them back in Egypt where they could, you know, be slaves and be beaten and eat the, you know, the, the leftovers? And um, so anyway, at one point, God told Moses, this is the love of God, people. Just grab a hold of this. God told Moses to make a tabernacle. A tabernacle was a tent, a great, big, huge tent. And he said he wanted him to make him a tabernacle so that his presence could come and dwell with those people. Because he knew they needed his presence with them. 
Not just for him to talk to Moses when Moses went over on the mountain and came back, but he knew that they needed him there. How awesome is that? He didn't just rip them out of Egypt and say, there you are. Now see what you can do with yourselves. No. He loved them with an everlasting love. He chose them to be his people. And so he wanted to make a provision for his presence to come and dwell there. So that he could be with them while they journeyed to the promised land. So he gave Moses very specific details of how each minute little part of that tabernacle needed to be either built or sewn or put together. It was intricate. And it was of utmost importance that Moses did and all those people that were chosen to do those parts, that they did it exactly the way God said to do it. Now, he, they created a place where God could, it, where it looked exactly Every, all of the little instruments, all of the, the, uh, the altar, all the, the, the different, uh, things that they used to, to do their sacrifices with, to, to do their, uh, offerings and their worship. Everything was done. Hallelujah. It had to be exactly like the one that God lived in. Heaven. That's what it was, it was patterned after. He's pretty special. <laughs> so in Exodus 40, you know, um, verses 9 through 11 tells about uh, how uh, the, all of the anointing of all of the tabernacle uh, went. It tells all the details about how God said to you, anoint uh, you anoint all of these different items. You anoint the altar and all the utensils. Verse 12 through 16 says, you, and the, he had to anoint the priest. He said, get Aaron and his sons, have them wash, and they must be then anointed because they are the ones I've chosen to be the priests before me throughout all their generations. They had to do it exactly the way God said to do it. And then in verse 17 through 33, everything was put in its place. So it says at the end of verse 33, so Moses finished the work. He finished putting the tabernacle, setting it all up exactly as God said to All right, in verse 34 of chapter 40, it says this, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, 
The children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So once the, once the tabernacle was all prepared, God came down and filled that tabernacle with his presence. They could visibly see the cloud of his glory, his presence. Every day, it was there. The cloud was there. It was there. I don't imagine it just was a a cloud sitting still. I imagine it being a cloud that was moving, moving, moving. He was there. And then at night, when they went to sleep... They could just look out the ta- out their, their tent doors and they could see that the fire was there. And they knew he was still there. God is with us. Everything's going to be okay. Hallelujah. He wanted, God wanted to be near them so they would know That I am here. He wanted to be near them. Even as the the stinkers that they were. You know, they, they were just ornery as all get out. But God loved them with an everlasting love. They were his chosen people. From all the peoples that were in the earth. He chose them. And he said, I am here. Now, it's very important to note this. This is a God happening. And it demonstrated or set the precedent for the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament believers. This God happening, I don't think you heard me demonstrated or set a precedent for the new birth and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the life of New Testament believers. Glory to God. Glory to God. He came there in that physical house, that physical tabernacle that they made for him. He, his presence was inside that holy of holies, that place, that, he, that, that ark of the covenant that he made. They made for him exactly like he told him to make it. He came and his presence dwelt among them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a God. What a God. Hallelujah. So now let's fast forward to the New Testament at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away, but they are to wait for the promise of my father. And let's look at John 16, verse 7. 
Wait for the promise of my father. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. He's talking to his disciples. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And then over in Luke 24, 49. Just go back a couple of pages. Luke 24, 49. He said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. And then Acts 1. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he he, excuse me. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. The promise of the Father. They had no idea what that meant. All they knew was they were going to do that. They were going to go and wait for him because they knew that it was going to be something good. So in Acts 2, verse 1, we see when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one, with one accord, in one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It kind of sounds like what happened in the tabernacle. Except there was, you know, there was a pillar of fire. There just wasn't, a, wasn't tongues of fire. Hallelujah. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Hallelujah. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now look over at verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So this was the beginning of what we now know as the church 
the body of Christ in the earth. This was the beginning, and it was begun with signs and wonders. Glory to his holy name. Let's look at verse at chapter 3. We'll read verse 1 through 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom, he, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look on us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he... Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Then they knew that it had, it was he who it was sat begging, begging alms at the beautiful temple, gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God happened to him. God happened. Almighty God visited him that day. Glory to God. Now, these are the first references that we have. Over here, I I didn't read this part. Um, Up here in verse uh, 32, uh, let's see. 44, it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So there was, there was all kinds of things happening because God came. Right. Suddenly, right. He came. God came and He sat on each one of them. He filled them with the Holy Ghost, and they were born again that moment. They were born again that day. And God came and dwelt in each one of them. He filled them to overflowing so that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's no light thing, folks. That is how God started this thing. And it's how He wants to end it. Hallelujah. With Spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers. Going from house to house Ministering the life of God to everyone who's in need. Hallelujah. That's the plan of God. That's what he wants to do. He wants to use us to bring him to those who need him. To those who are lost. To those who are stuck in places that they are so desperately in need of getting out of. We have the answer. Glory to God. People who are sick, crippled, blind. They don't have a, they don't have a, a thought in their head. From birth, some have been this way. God wants them raised up. Yes. He wants to re- receive glory Amen. through their healing, yes. through their wholeness. Yes. And he shall. 
He shall receive glory. Because we're, we're just entering into that place. Hallelujah. 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 So we see these first references concerning physical healing shortly after the Holy Spirit came rushing in to bring the new birth and infilling to the disciples. From that point, all through the book of Acts, we see the evidence of salvation in Christ through the working of the great and mighty Holy Spirit, saving, delivering, filling, and healing. Because now the very essence of Almighty God has taken up his residence in the spirit of man. Just like he did in the tabernacle of old. He took up his residence there. Why? So they would know, I am here. You don't have to fear any longer. I am here. And that's what he's doing in us. He wants us to know that he is here. So he changes us completely. He recreates our spirit man. He gives us new life, new hope, new vision. Hallelujah. So now look with me at 1 Corinthians 3. Just a confirmation of what we just said. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Hallelujah. Now let's look over at uh, chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own any longer? This temple that we live in, this flesh and bone, blood and everything it's made up of houses our spirit the real person on the inside, you can't really see the real me, you just see actually my clothes now, on my body I heard somebody say one time, I believe it was Brother Copeland, he said, if my spirit was to step outside of my body and stand right here and you could see it, it would look just like my body. I, I, that, I, I believe that. Otherwise, how are we going to know each other in heaven? <laughs> right? Hallelujah. So, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in me whom I have from God, and I am not my own. I belong to him. Now look over at 2 Corinthians 6, 
Second Corinthians six sixteen, and we'll look at the second part of that verse. He said, I will dwell in them. God and God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God said that. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. You know, when God comes, things change. (laughs) That's a good thing. When God comes, things change. Um, In Luke 5, verse 17, we see the... uh, the story of the man who uh, who was let down through the, the roof. Um, we're just going to read a little bit of it. Luke 5. I can't find it here. Here we go. Verse 17. It says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by These were people that thought they knew everything that they were supposed to know about God. And it said they were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. So you imagine there was a lot of them there. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power was present to heal them. Uh, Kenneth Hagin told of a vision he had of Jesus where the Lord was talking to him about this scripture. Jesus told him two times in that vision that the power is everywhere present. He said power is everywhere present. And then the third time, he said, power is always everywhere present. Now, we're talking about the power of God. Amen. So I'm going to tell you a little story. Back in the 1990s, some of the ladies of this church began to meet once every week for prayer. We were so hungry for God, wanting him to invade our lives and our church with his spirit, to answer the cry of our hearts, to fulfill the promises in his word. We wanted to see him move in the gifts of the spirit, to heal bodies and set people free from every bondage of the spirits of darkness. We wanted his power manifested in our midst. After about two years, we reached a point in our meetings. These were prayer meetings. Once a week, we met to pray. And we prayed led by the Spirit of God. We would sometimes uh, have a, a little worship break in the time we would pray for an hour or so. So about two years After about that period of time, we reached a point in our meetings where every week the presence of God 
would come down upon us. It was so tangible, folks, so heavy and weighty that we would all end up on the floor, on our backs, with our faces up or on our faces down. But we were on the floor. And we were not not able to move. And this went on for the good part of, you know, half an hour or 20 minutes or half an hour. We just, we, I don't really even know, to be honest with you, how long we would lay there. But it was week after week after week after week. And on one occasion, as I laid there on the floor, I said, Lord, what is this for? It was awesome. Don't, don't mistake that. I didn't want it to stop. But I, I wanted to know, why are you doing this? Why are you visiting us this way? And he said, it's to prepare you for what is to come. So when I move by my spirit in your midst, you will know that it is me. That I am here. So, what happens when he comes? What happens when that presence comes? We're, we're, we're very blessed in this congregation. That that presence of God comes so often. It's Something that we have to resist being uh, taking it for granted. Because when people come in here and God has filled this place, they, they've never had an experience like that. They know something is different. Something's here. And I like it. I want it. Hallelujah. People, when these things happen, people are brought into relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. He opens up our understanding of the Word so that we're able to learn about who He is, who we are in Him, and how to live this new life in Him. But his presence in us and upon us is also for the purpose of keeping our bodies strong and healthy so that we might live out the plans that he has for us here on this earth. That's a huge benefit. You remember it's what it said in the Old Testament. The benefit Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all my diseases. Hallelujah. His presence is in us and comes upon us for that purpose. So we don't have to leave the same way we came. Now, this doesn't just happen in a corporate setting. This happens at home, too. 
Amen? Amen. Amen. This should be happening in your home. That's what he wants to do. He wants to come and fill your house with his glory. He wants to fill your physical house and he wants to fill this house with his glory so that he will receive glory. Hallelujah. That's all. That's what he wants. He wants to receive glory. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be well, whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. He wants you whole so that you will re- he will receive glory from that. And when he receives glory from that, what happens is people want to know him. They want to know how did that happen to you? And you get to tell them about Jesus. You get to tell them the gospel story. Hallelujah. And how he changed your life. How he came into your life and he took you and turned your life around. Set your feet on higher ground. That's what he did to me. That's what he did to me. He changed my life. And I will never be the same. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he wants to be present. He is in you, but he wants you to know it. (laughs) He wants you to experience it. Not so you have goosebumps or tangible. None of that. I'm not not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about evidence. Evidence of his indwelling. That's what we need. Amen. So John 14, so he is the comforter, the strengthener, the standby, the helper. In John 14, he talks about the Holy Spirit. In verse 16 and 17, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwell, he dwells with you and will be in you. And verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7. I, I read these, didn't I, already? <laughs> but I'm reading them again. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So we, he, the work of the Holy Spirit might be explained like this. When a person is in great distress, it's the comfort and power of the Holy Spirit which keeps them standing. For if they had been left to themselves, they would have collapsed. He's, uh, it is the comfort It is this comfort which enables a man or woman to pass the breaking point and not break. He's the one who is called in to help in a situation in which a person by themselves could not handle. 
That's one of the biggest reasons he's there. He's your helper. He's your counselor. He's the one who's leading you and guiding you into all the truth of the word. He's your protector. He will strengthen you. He's standing by all the time. At all times, standing by. Because he knows you're going to need him. And he's there. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to that power that works in us. Hallelujah. The greater one in First John 4, 4, it's the greater one who lives in me. What is he greater than? He's greater than he that's in the world. The devil is the one who, who wants you to think that he is so big and so great and so mighty. He wants you to think that he's got all the answers and that if you'll just follow him, that he'll whatever. Tells you lies about God. Tells you lies about yourself and anybody. You know, he's a liar. Father of lies. He doesn't know how to do anything but lie. But God is greater. And the one who lives in us is the greater one. So say this with me. Greater is he, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. He's greater than any sickness, any disease, or any disability. Glory to God. Romans 8.11 says... Um, uh, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm going to have to read it. Romans eight eleven says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he dwells in me. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit, the very same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, that brought him up out of hell, hallelujah, raised him up so that... How he appeared to more than 500 people while he was here on the earth after he was raised up from the dead. They saw him in his, in his, in this body that he had. Didn't have any blood in it, but it was his body. And then he, uh, ascended up on high. Glory, they saw him go up. It's that same spirit that did all of that. And, 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 and there needed to be witnesses so that we could all be partakers of that same resurrection life that he gave, that he, that he provided. So it says in Ephesians that when Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised up with him at that very moment. 
every believer throughout all time. We were all raised up together with him and made to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. We have that same spirit living in us. And because he's living in us, he's a life-giving spirit. He's the spirit of life. The spirit of life. That's all he can do is give life. That's all he knows is life. Because he's the very essence of God. And he lives in me. The very essence of who God is. He gave him to live in us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to dwell on that sometime. Oh, it'll get on you. Hallelujah. So praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues, just like those, those 120 did on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them, the overflow was that speaking with other tongues. Now, people heard them speaking in their language, but I'm not so sure that's really what they were doing. I think God just opened their ears to hear their language so that they would be astounded because they knew these people were Galileans. They were just ignorant Galileans. How could they know what my language is? I live way over there in that other country. God knows what he's doing, folks. He knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. He is amazing. So we get that same gift of the Spirit to speak in other tongues, to pray in the Spirit. And so this is where I was going all the whole time now. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he's speaking mysteries. In one place, it says he's speaking. Uh, it, it was uh, one minister said he's speaking God talk. God talk. So we're talking to God. Nobody understands us. And, you know, Pastor Lynn Hammond said just a, a few years ago, the Lord showed her that each one of us has our very own unique language. It's not the same language in, in the spirit that anybody else has because we are very unique. It's like our fingerprints. God said he downloaded that language into us and he wants us to know and everybody else to know, I am here. This is mine. Hallelujah. So... He says, we're talking to God. Now, verse 14 says, if I pray in, in a tongue, my spirit's praying, but my understanding's unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will, and, and I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. That's nice. He really was really nice of him to help, help us to understand that, that we could do that. Okay, now, uh, Jude 20. Jude is way back in the back of your Bible. Most of you know that, though, that are here tonight. Um, Jude, verse 20. 
But you, beloved, <clears throat> building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, and on some have mercy who are doubting, but on others have mercy in, with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. I wanted you to basically know that when you pray in the Spirit, you're building yourself up on your most holy faith. Rising higher and higher like an edifice. Not so you could be, you know, something big. No, so you can know God better. Hallelujah. So, uh, the, the footnotes in the, um, the uh, Passion Translation, some of the footnotes said this. Paul uses the phrase praying in the Spirit to refer to praying in tongues. It can also mean pray as led by the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit's realm or pray by means of or power of the Spirit. Okay. Now, I'm going to quote something from... Um, those are all... That's all spiritual stuff. I'm going to quote something from uh, Trina Hankins' book called God's Healing Word. And she talks about how praying in tongues affects the physical body. Neurologists, doctors, and scientists have found that found through extensive research that when a person prays in tongues, the brain becomes stimulated, specifically the hypothalamus, which is responsible for the pituitary gland and all target and endocrine glands, the total immune system, the entire uh, auto, autonomic system, which is the peripheral nervous system. Uh, it's responsible for regulating involuntary body functions, such as your heartbeat, your blood flow, your breathing, your digestion. It, it uh, is responsible for the production of brain hormones called endorphins and, and encephalons which are chemicals that the body produces and are one to 200 times more powerful than, than morphine. So when we pray in tongues, we are directly and indirectly stimulating a significant part of the body's central nervous system. Woo! I don't know about you, but that's encouraging. This, in turn, causes the brain to release a large amount of hormones, increasing the body's immune system. Praying in tongues produces an effect similar to other physical activities like running and swimming. What an incredible benefit we have through the gift of speaking in other tongues. So how does this relate to healing? As we give ourselves to praying in our heavenly language, it brings God, the power that is everywhere present, into the situation. 
where we need something in our lives to change or our bodies to be made whole. Praying in tongues gets you into that place where God comes down and his presence becomes tangible. When we pray in tongues, we are invoking the power and presence of God to come into our midst. It is in that place where his power is present to heal. It's in that place where his power is present to heal. When he comes, the power is ignited to bless, save, deliver, and heal. When he comes, he brings life. He brings life. Everything that is necessary for us to live our, out our full length of time here on this earth in health and strength. That's what he brings. That's what life is. Life as God has it. Yes. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so until we're satisfied, until you get satisfied, then you can leave. Like Brother Hagin said, when you get satisfied, say, oh, I'm going. There's Jesus. Goodbye. It's possible, folks. There's been many that have gone on before us that have done that very thing. And it's possible that should be the desire of every single one of our hearts so that we can be a testimony of health and strength because of the power that's working in us. Sometimes it seems there are so many things we need to do when all the while all we need is to run in to him. He is, after all, the secret place of our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our deliverer, our strengthener, our peace, our healer. This natural life can be hard, but there's a place we can go. A place in God where love flows, where peace flows, where strength flows, where joy flows, where healing flows. It's that place we step into by praying in other tongues. So, let's go there. Let's go there. I don't know, it's 844. Okay, let's go there. Come on, everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Just pray in the spirit. Abrazo colabrista mosta. Building ourselves up on our most holy faith.